Welcome, everyone, to our second podcast for Fathers of Tabletop. Joining me again is Juice. Juice, how's it going? Excellent. We've only been prepping this conversation for like two and a half hours. That's true. <laughs> Getting sidetracked the entire way. Good That's thing true. the podcast wasn't the sidetrack part. So you guys get the full show. Um, now, our last episode we did, we were talking about holiday gifts. And one of the ones that I said I was going to get was Xanathar's. And I know you got Xanathar's, too. And I would show you mine, but unfortunately, I'm at my office and I'm in a really enclosed space. So, you you got the collector's cover. I'm very jealous. I got the standard. You, I, I will say I did not like the standard or this cover before I saw it in person. I yes. hated it. I thought it was very tacky. Um, uh, once I got this, though, uh, I can honestly say it is beautiful in person. Now, did you get the collector's cover for Volos? I did. I have that over on now my that's, bookshelf. That's the problem. The problem now is now you're hooked. Because this is I, better, though. I agree. Isn't it like hollow foil a little bit? I thought I saw it in the store and there was a little bit of shiny to it. Maybe it was They're just... They're shiny, but it doesn't new. feel different. Like, you know right. how, like, your player's handbook has that different feel from, right. from here the to there? To this the feels gloss. different. This is exactly the same material throughout. So, what I've noticed, though, is that now that you got Volos with that cover, and now that you got Xanathar's with that cover... You pretty much have to get that black cover with the rest of the books, even if it looks poop. You know, just to make your shelf yeah. look in, I, I in want, sync. I want to get the non-special edition ones to use at the table. Because my Volos has, like, not some scuffs, but some things I noticed that I think were there when I got it. Um, but it's, like, where the silver's shining through in the black where it's not supposed to in a couple spots. Yeah. And I'm like, dang. Like, I wish I'd have noticed that when I bought it. That I had that problem with the fourth edition leather bounds. Those things are ugly. Yeah. They're yeah. really ugly. The fourth, my three five leather bounds. I love those things. But uh, <laughs> so. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Xanathar's though, I love. I was excited to get this. I spent the first like three days just combing this over constantly. Um, I loved it. And and again, I will mention I I have not read every word in this book. Um, in fact, most of the stuff I've gathered from it is dm related stuff yeah i was so. gonna say the same thing i really haven't played around with classes yet because i'm one of those people i want to see it played five or six times because of the rng gods you know random number generators dice anything <laughs> whatever you're playing you can't really get a good feel for a class until after you've seen it in a lot of situations and see how average it plays out so as much as i'd love to talk about the subclasses I just really haven't had as much experience as a player or enough feedback from my players. To me, as a DM, a lot of the subclasses didn't really change the game on my side. Um, yeah, I don't have anyone playing any of them yet. Right. I mean, I've noticed a few more healers, which is good. I think the game definitely needed more healers, but um, I really haven't just not a whole lot of people have played them. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about doing a Wuxia game. Wuxia is like the, the Oriental Asian. setting that yep. they've developed in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And I love it. And especially since Samurai is a fighter class, I thought that was pretty cool. And I think they added more material to the monks. Um, I would have liked to have seen a monk that was more of a European monk. Like a Friar Tuck, kick your ass kind of monk. I would have liked to see that. But I guess I'm just going to have to flavor text. How would you make that? How would you make that? Um, first off, I think it would be really interesting if that archetype of monk didn't use key per se and just renamed it. You can still use the structure, but just having key. 
But honestly, I don't see why they couldn't flurry of blows and stuff. Because a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize, like this, the Knights of Malta, for example, the Knights of Malta were originally monks that went to the Crusades and fought and were martial artists. And some of them wore armor. A lot of them fought with the staff. Um, a lot of the times when the armies were away, it was up to the monks to defend the people in the villages. So I don't see why they couldn't make a Friar Tuck type monk. I'll just flavor mine and just say he's a sure. medieval monk. But, oh, I guess you could do um, the Drunken Master as a yeah. Tuck. You know, he's just there got this go. giant barrel with him. Now it sounds <laughs> like a League I, of Legends character. That character, that subclass type does sound interesting. Like like you were saying, I'd like to see these subclasses in use before I really touch them. But for me, it's not so much seeing it played five or six times. It's building a character. Because right. when I'm building a character, I then look at, well, what if I paired it with this or this? I look at things more mechanically than a lot of other people, I think. So I go, okay, am I going to add this feat? No, I don't want that feat. Oh, am I going to do this stat bump? What like? So that's where I get a good feel of character types um, and subclasses. And so I think when I start doing that, then I'll learn more about those. But I don't see that happening. Um, I'm, you know, I'm only playing in two games. One of my characters, I think, is going to be around for at least a year. The other one could die next session i don't know because that's tomb of annihilation but um you know it's i, I gotta once i create another character uh using those then i'll know more now before we get into the nitty-gritty i want to cover the dm's tools today but i want to know juice what have you been up to what has your channels been up to and are there any like movies that you're really excited to see or anything that you've got going on that's <laughs> really exciting Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. So I have a couple things coming up on my old Tabletop Gaming with Juice YouTube channel. Uh, the very first thing that I wanted to touch on is a PDF called Under the Tavern by DMG. DMG Info, uh, 7D System. It's got two two YouTube channels. It's part of the Tabletop Crafters Guild, formerly DM Scotty's Crafts. Um, and he, made, he wrote this module. It's system agnostic. You can... You know, you can run it in any system. It purposely leaves out the types of monsters and things like that. It leaves out d difficulties, um, like challenge ratings, things like that. It's it, it gives you the framework. One of the cool things that I do want to point out, too, is he's got the maps in here are all his terrain. And so that's one of the things, oh, awesome. too. I haven't I haven't ran this. OK, I've skimmed through it hundreds of times. Uh, I want to read through it fully, word for word, front to back, before I review it. And I'd like to start working on the terrain, because without the terrain, I'm never going to run it. So I want to do that before I review that. The other thing, which is I'm excited about, is Absolute Tabletop. So you guys know I played in the Provokers. Absolute Tabletop, they have, if you go over to their website, uh, at, I think it's absolutetabletop.com, um, they have all sorts of products from, you know, modules to DM books. Uh, so, for example, one of my favorites over there is Be a Better Campaign Master, book one, Building the World. But I really like they, that. Oh, it's so good. It talks about map making and things like that. Um, and I'm actually using it to draw my homebrew world right now. But um, the thing is, is right now, I, I have this one. This is the first one. I have the PDF of Be a Better Weapon Master 2. So, is that the one I'm that gonna just be, came out? Yes, yes, it just came out like within the last week. I will that be doing art, a review. That, the art that they revealed in the AbTab group was fan. 
fantastic. There's some cool stuff. So I've skimmed through that in PDF. I need to print it. As you can see, I have all my AvTab stuff right here printed. I may even go through and review all these, you know, eventually. I, I want to do a little bit more reviews. Uh, the other thing I have going on is, I'm, like I said, I'm writing out my world right now. Uh, I have this. So I have a PDF of Kobold Guide to World Building and in this little binder. And I'm reading that I'm about halfway through, I think. I'm on, like, page 40. Good stuff in that book. We talked about that book yes, in our did. holiday gift guide. I might review that when I'm done, too, and I get further into designing my own homebrew, which you guys are curious about my homebrew. Again, I know I'm, I'm info dumping. This is all information about my homebrew world. It's from campaign notes to characters to everything. So that's my homebrew world, and I am writing that out. I will be doing PDFs of that in my Master the Game Facebook group. And last but not least, and I know I'm info dumping, Master the Game. My, I had originally filmed my video for it. I was not satisfied with it. I am not going to put crap out, so I am re-filming. Uh, I think I spent four hours just filming <laughs> the first one, and I didn't like it. So I'm going to re-film and have that up hopefully very soon. So. I, I actually like that you came forward like that because one of my favorite shows out there that you can watch is the Sherlock Holmes show um with uh benedict cumberbatch and i love it it doesn't have frequent shows i think there's only four seasons out right now i think that's what it is is that it's on the fourth season anyway sure regardless each season only has a handful of episodes in its own right i approve of this i would rather see quality content than loads of honey bucket outhouses of ideas i don't want i'm not into that Jim. yes i prefer quality content so that's the character here the character i made is up in the master of the game group if you go to the files i have him from level one through ten you can download him at any level between there uh to see what he looks like and i did <clears throat> the, the thing is is i think the tone wasn't right it didn't match my intro and so i need to reevaluate how i want to present it um, I had a three-page script. It's right here. I've read it tons. I have it memorized. I, I'm not sure. I just need to match the tone of the whole thing. And once I get that down, I will be fine, and I'll be able to do videos once a week. No problem. And I got a green screen. Boom! I just got to put this bad boy up, and I am ready. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I am ready to go. I'll send you some of the... Um, some of the professional books that my wife has she got them in pdfs as well and they're Perfect. training modules because she did green screen photography for a uh, profession and then opened up her own business so i can help you with a lot of the green screening techniques um personally my man. <laughs> personally i don't use green screening because um my green screen equipment's always used for movies that we're making we did we did an assassin's creed movie with it and it was just amazing um so i never have it with me so i'll stick with the traditional backdrops <laughs> but that being said um let's get into the actual xanathar's book because i am excited to get cracking on some of the aspects of the book that has excited you the most now for yes. me even before you get to chapter two which is the dungeon master's tools i think there's a very important part of this book and that is the uh this is your life section I think it's on page uh, 64 or 61. 
let me open up so I know what you're talking about because I don't have this book memorized yet. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. It's the background information based on races and stuff. Right. Well, not only that, This the main thing this went is, look, your backgrounds are guidelines. They're ideas. They're not rules. You're not strictly bound to them. Um, you're skipping some stuff that we're going to have to go back to that is really dang good. But that's that? okay. The 10 rules to remember in the first few pages where it's talking yes. about, you know, and it covers rules that people I don't think realized. Uh, things like bonus action spells, concentration, temporary hit points not stacking. Uh, I've had players try that in my games and I've allowed it. And No, actually, now I'm let's like, talk about that now. This this is important. Okay. Um, I think this is important as a DM to remember. Yes. The, the, and I will say, Xanathar's Guide, a lot of people talk about it because of the subclasses. For me, it's all the DM stuff. 100%. First off, my favorite is this first one. Exceptions supersede general rules. If you have an ability that says you get to do this, you get to do this regardless of what the generalized rule is. That's the whole point of the abilities. The whole point. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people and they go... Well, you know, you're not supposed to be able to do that, so I'm going to say no. And it's like, no, my ability specifically says that I can do that. Yes. So it and, if, be and if as a DM you're going to say no, make it very clear when someone's choosing that class up front. Because some people choose classes around their abilities. You know, I'll be pissed if I make a character looking forward to an ability I get at fourth or fifth level. And then when I get there, I can't do it. Like, there's nothing more disappointing than having an expectation and then being told no like 10 sessions later that that's awful so yes i agree with you obviously for me rounding down i don't even know why that had to freaking be something that they had to regurgitate again it's mm -hmm. always been rounding down <laughs> always mm -hmm. um you only get advantage or disadvantage once, no matter what the string of events may be. Um, yep. So if you go, well, he's helping me with a skill check, so I get advantage. And I go, yeah, but you're at disadvantage because it's dim light. And you're like, yeah, but I also have advantage because of this ability. It's not like there's an advantage-disadvantage tug of war. It's you have advantage, or you have disadvantage, or you have both, and nothing happens. Combining different effects is a good one. Yes. Um, so you can get armor class bumps from two different things. I can't think offhand what they would be, but they can't be named the same. So, you know, maybe you cast Bless on somebody, but then someone gives Bardic Inspiration, maybe? Like, that's not for armor class, but that's for something else. So you could probably combine those. those in fact, you it uses Bless combine. as an example. Yeah, I think those you can combine because those just benefit your... Um, it's not like your you dice can double Bless, right? Right, your you bardic inspiration bless. and your bless are two different things, but I think the main reason why they were so focused on specifying this in general is because I've seen cleric parties try to do some shady crap with a lot of their abilities. Right, but the idea is you can combine two different abilities that do the same thing, right. as long as they're different abilities. So again, bardic inspiration maybe with bless, um, that would work. Um, things like that. So that's kind of interesting because I'd never thought of combining effects until I read this, actually. And if you remember in the older D&Ds, like 3-5, mm -hmm. 
You could not have a helmet of plus one charisma and then boots of plus one charisma and then bracers of plus one charisma and have it be plus three charisma. Otherwise, you get those people that wore a pendant and they're like plus one strength gauntlets with a plus one strength bracelet equals plus two strength. No, if you go back to those older games, it did mm. not. If you play Baldur's Gate and you try doing that shit, you're only getting plus one strength. I didn't and, know that. And that's, it, interesting. that's how I look at combining different effects as well. You only, I mean, if it's specifically to increase your um, attack and stuff like that, you have to really consider whether or not you even want to challenge the DM on stacking those effects. Because I've had a lot of people go, well, guidance and plus and this and that. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give it to you and I'll show you why it's broken. What do you mean? Oh, it's the monster's turn? Bless and guidance and oh, your plate mail guy just went down from a freaking cobalt, you know. I was going to say, you can always do those, the same back at him. You know, mm -hmm. and I hate doing it like that, but a lot of the times players don't understand because they don't run games. So th it's good that they're saying, hey, GMs, remember, this is an important rule. Reaction well, hey, timing. Before you, before before we mm -hmm. do that, one thing with the, based on that, I had a conversation with someone this week that I think is interesting, worth noting. So we were talking about broken combinations, like class things. It was it came up because of Esper's uh, rebuttal to DFC's druid monk or something that's like five hundred plus x HP in theory, not in practice, and. Uh, I, and and then we talked about taking 20's video where he did druid, uh, or not druid, something about summoning pixies and making like a bunch of dinosaurs, whatever. And uh, so when we were talking about this, I said, well, if I had a player or players that don't abuse these abilities and they only do it at a like epic story moment, I'm more okay with that. You know, I don't want someone to just spawn it and do it constantly. And, you know, that's annoying. But if like they know they can do this, They've done it only in, like, very, very rare circumstances. I'm more likely to allow it. Because then it just is a really cool thing that happened once as part of the story. Right. So that's just me. I know that's not for everyone, but I, I am okay within a dire situation. You're fighting a Baylor. You pulling out whatever combination of stacking abilities you want. And let's see what happens to your level 5 party. <laughs> now let's... Let's give the whole idea of this armor class thing. Just keep in mind, it's only referring to abilities that have the same name. Yes. It varies, but when two or more effects have the same proper name, or only one of them, the most powerful one is the benefits aren't identical. Yes. But, please, clerics, paladins, use your abilities to buff the party up in different ways, and even if they tend to overlap a little bit... It's okay as long as they're different abilities. You know, um, that makes sense to me. Uh, this is something that I think is very important is reaction timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> this is a lot like those cards that when you played Magic back in the day where, I'd say, I think it was right around like 98 to 2002, there was some confusion on what immediate interrupts and interrupts were. And, and counter spells and you were like when are these used and then you'd get people countering mana and it's like mana's not a spell and this is important um basically you get a special reaction uh, action called a reaction in response to something event now i think the reason why i understood this is because in programming we would have something called a trigger and an event and this is kind of how i see it um 
Making opportunity attacks and casting shield spell are two typical uses of reactions. Um, so basically, what triggers this reaction? Right? The reaction happens after its trigger completes. Unless stated otherwise. Right. So, so the shield spell, for example, allows you to do the shield before the attack. Right. But and according to on the my attack turn, yes. Oh, Sorry, I was gonna say, but on my turn, if I say uh, I'm gonna stay back with my party, and when they attack me, I'm going to then attack them. You have to wait till their attack is done. Right. So that is where I've been screwing up. I've been saying, well, you get the drop on them because you were triggering. No, you have to I've specifically. Right. You have to specifically, and you got to think like a computer. Like with attack of opportunity, it's when the creature leaves your threat square. Right? Yes. So if he wants to make an attack first to someone else before leaving your threat square, then he is allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And you have to wait until he's done with that nonsense and only attack him when he leaves the threat square. Another good example is if somebody moves a polearm master states that the moment somebody moves within range... You get an attack of opportunity. It specifically says the moment. So if they're moving to attack my wizard, I get them first, then they make their attack. That's an well, advantage. What if of your trigger? Polar. What if you said your trigger is when the half orc or the ogre or whatever enters your your range? Do you then get to attack? Them I would they allow them. You? I would allow them to do that. However, so now we're playing with verbal holding, semantics. They're holding an action for that. I understand. Yep. Like, for me, that's a held action. You want to, the moment he comes within range, I'm going to swing at him. Oh, I think yes. that's a perfectly reasonable called action. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But then they're not, you're not really reaction timing that. You know what I mean? And yep. if your DM was a jerk and he described you as holding up your weapon like this, like, and you're looking at your monster, <laughs> and the DM goes, the. The monster looks at you funny and decides to come from this side. You can't be like, ah, poo! That's meta! You're literally holding your action. I don't know if you've seen people in a sword fight where they're waiting for the other one to make a move. They're like eye contact. It's not like you just go and you're doing your own thing and then the moment your called action comes up, you're like, yeah! Like, you just were memorizing. The idea of a called action is you're waiting for a specific event. Sure. As for reactions, reactions are literally the I can do it without even looking kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. A good example is with Polar Master, if I've got a guy fighting me, right? And then it specifically says the moment somebody enters my threat range, I would narratively describe it as I'm fighting this guy and we're duking it out. But then the moment I see somebody coming towards my back, I go and then stab him and then mm -hmm. continue dealing with the guy that I'm dealing with. If I was doing a called action... Like, I wanted to hit that guy this moment he turned in. I would not be looking at the guy attacking me. I would literally be waiting for that other guy to come into my attack range. Right. Like I had stated. Um, so that, mm -hmm. that personally, to me, is the difference. And that that's one of my most aggravating things. I'm going to wait until I, with he... That, I'm going to attack so, him if he attacks me. You're going to attack him if he attacks you. Good. He attacks you. He hits you. He downs you. Your attack does not go off. Yes. Exactly. That's just uh, resistance and vulnerability. The order that you apply modifiers to damage any relevant damage immunity, any addition Which makes or sense. if you're immune to damage, why even 
fuck yeah, with the yeah, rest exactly. of the math, you know? You're immune. This, this whole thing, like, it's just, it's perfect. Even if multiple sources give you resistance to a type of damage you're taking, you only apply resistance to it once. Right. Once. Now, here's an important thing. You see where it says any addition or subtraction to the damage? Mm-hmm. Consider certain abilities or situations where you will take a negative two or plus two. The perfect example, barbarians, rage, plus two to damage. Okay? So, are they immune? No. I get my plus two to damage. Yes. Is he resistant? Oh, he is. Is he vulnerable? Afterwards. And the reason why they do this, because a lot of people don't understand it, is let's say you have the ability to fight with two weapons. Oh my gosh, you do. This is very common in D&D 5th edition. And you have one weapon that does frost damage and one weapon that does necrotic damage. And you're attacking him with both. Like, I've had people go, I'm just going to roll both rolls and go at it. When you attack with the frost weapon, if he's uh, vulnerable to frost weapon or resistant to it, then the resistances are calculated then and there. Mm -hmm. Then you move on to the necrotic attack, and it's necrotic. I've seen some crazy magical gear, not in the games that I've run, but in the games that I've received, where they have multiple benefits, like the cold axe of death or whatever. That's an example, of course. Um, but I've seen ones of like blistering hurricane where it was like um, force damage and fire damage. Sure. And if you got a weapon with two traits like that, deal with the damage resistances first, then deal with the vulnerabilities. That's right. personally how I run it. And the reason why this is important is because if you do eight damage as a barbarian, all right, and I've seen a lot of people do this, they go, okay, so since he's resistant, he gets four damage, but then I get plus two because of my rage. No. It's right. eight damage plus two, which makes it ten, then it's halved. Mm -hmm. So here's the other thing, the one relevant damage resistance. So the thing I see is, say you're using a barbarian, you're raging, you're resistant. But, and I don't know why you would ever do this, but say you do heavy armor, and then you have the heavy armor master, which is also res like resistant, and you remove three. You'd have to pick which resistance. Right. So you can't stack them. So that's important to note as well. Now, I don't, again, I don't think anyone would ever do that. But well, I have barbarians that try to get magical resistance gear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, but you can't. It only one counts. Right. So if they have a sword that hits you for 1d8 and then it does d4 necrotic damage, you get to choose. Do you want to block mm -hmm. the necrotic damage or do you want to take resistance on the d8? You do not get resistance from both. Period. And if you get those creatures that are vulnerable to electricity and water, they're only vulnerable to one of them. They're not vulnerable to both. So you right. get to, and I usually let them choose as the attackers because mm -hmm. I'm just that way. Do you want them to be vulnerable? Otherwise, as a DM, I'd be like, well, your thunder damage is a D12, so I'm going to make him resistant to that. <laughs> I don't think that's the role of the DM. I think that's the role of the player. Um, right. Proficiency bonuses, you can only add once to yep. the roll. Yep, unless it states otherwise. Right. Um, I honestly don't think anybody really had an issue with this. What, proficiency bonus? No, I don't think so either. No, so I mean, bonus I think action it's spells self-explanatory. I, I think it's worded a little funny, but ultimately you can only cast one level spell per turn, per round. Yes, and then you can And then cast the other thing has to be a cantrip. That's right. That's really the easiest way to think of it. Rather than the wording they've done, 
Um, concentration, you can only have one concentration at a time. Now, can they cast a cantrip? Or can, So they can't cast a level 2 spell and then cast a level 1 spell as a bonus. Exactly. No. Exactly. Never. Exactly. I hate it when people <laughs> do that. Clerics are the worst like perpetrators yeah. of breaking this. It's like... Bards. I think bards listen, do it too. Your spiritual <laughs> weapon. I get it. I get it. But please understand that you cannot both heal your allies and torch an enemy at the same time. Right? There are damaging well, cantrips here's that the are thing, okay. Though. Round one, you cast your spiritual weapon. It's a concentration spell. Round two, you can cast level spells and it won't ruin that concentration That's true, spell. but that's unless it's a concentration. But it's a second round. Well, it's right. yeah, yeah. But you if they cast, cast out a concentration, then it yep. gets rid of it. But I've seen right. people all the time, they're like, oh, I want to heal my friends, and then as a bonus spell, I want to cast... Healing you know, like, word also. Right, it's like, <laughs> no, that, no, that's not, no. I may or may not be an offender of that in Provokers. I just would have to go back and look. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, and, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can cast rituals as not a ritual. Yes. But if but then you don't want slot. it to cost the spell slot, you can cast it at 10 minutes, whatever the ritual yes. time is. That is one of the rules I think they should have been included in this, but they didn't do that. Because that's yeah, the biggest rituals don't I've had a DM look me in the eyes and go, you can't cast a ritual. It takes 10 minutes. I'm like, you are basically making every ritual spell pointless. Yes. Because I have to wait. You can only do it outside of combat. I have yeah. to wait 100 no, you can rounds. Cast them. Right. Yeah, my understanding is then it just uses up a spell slot. But That's there's all. a lot of people that are confused about that. You know? Interesting. Uh, temporary hit points don't stack. I think they that's an interesting not. one because I've had that happen. Where they're like... And I've allowed it. You get five temp HP from me and then one other class is like, here's ten temp HP. And I don't think... People are like, well, that's not fair. The whole point of it is so that you guys aren't standing in a corner before the fight starts even just going ah, and buffing him with a ton of temp HP. You know, like... Right. Because if the monsters are running towards you, initiative's been rolled, and they're like... You're not just in there like... and having your guy come out with plus 15 HP. But the point of it is, is once his temp HP is done, then you can be like, no, Hector, here. And I think it makes it more thematic, too. Yes. So, so that kind of covers the first part. But before we get into the part you really want to talk about, I do want to point out something about the subclasses I love. Okay? Um, the thing I really love is the flavor they put into it. It's not even mechanical stuff. For example, barbarians, it's, yeah, it's more like it's the like background the, things. The tattoos, uh, barbarians, the personal totems. Personal how they totems, the superstitions. The I, like, I love this. Hair. I love it, too. So, I just want to read, like, one of these superstitions. Um, magical things bring trouble. Never sleep with a magic object within 10 feet of you. Like, that is awesome. Because what uh, if your right. weapon is a magical weapon, you keep it 10 feet away, and all of a sudden combat does happen while you're sleeping? Shit. You might not be able to get to your weapon. Actually, and if you want to know what the most common thing you see with barbs is? Light armor. Magic <laughs> light armor that gives them AC bonuses. Oh, I don't have... I can make a con save, so I'm not exhausted after my long rest. <laughs> That's magic armor, right? You are pulling that shit off, and you are setting it next to the fire. Like, mm -hmm. it is nowhere near you when you sleep. Or bracers. And think yeah. about this. 
What if your party is sleeping in a 4x4 room in a dungeon? Because you have to set it outside of the room. You're resting. You would sleep outside the room. You would not sleep in the room with them. Or you would yeah, they force got them items. all. Yeah, or you would force them all to take all of their shit off and put it in the hallway. And that's yeah, not nope. likely. That's not likely. Nope. And if you go into a room, and this is what I love about the superstitions, you enter a room and you're like, oh my god, it's full of so much treasure. Let's rest here before looking it up. He's going to be like, I'll you can't trust outside. magic items. You can't trust yeah. them. They're out yeah, to get nope. you. <laughs> I just think of the, the small soldiers movie. You know what I'm talking I about? Like, that. Is that the. What is way, that? A long time ago, Tommy Lee Jones yeah. played in it, but it's where, like, the G.I. Joes went against the weird monster creatures. Oh, Toy and Soldiers. Was, toy toy soldiers. soldiers, yes. Thank you. Yes. Toy Soldiers. Oh, my God. Yeah. That that movie, I loved it, but my friend who was three years younger than me had nightmares because all of his toys were monsters, aliens, and soldiers. And he just thought they were going to go to war while he wasn't looking. It was oh, pretty awesome. ridiculous. And <laughs> I love when you talk about flavor, I love it. Because let's talk about one of the most common sense subclasses, but also surprising given um, the context of this. And that is the samurai um, for the fighter. You know what page that is? Um, I am actually... I think you have it in your notes, don't you? I have it, yeah. I've got all of my pictures that I have. Uh... Samurai, I got it. I got it. We're good. I got it on 31. Okay, good, because my notes were wrong then. Because <laughs> I, I had Monk for some reason. Again, Samurai, I immediately thought of Monk. No, but I love the Samurai for the fighter. Um, it makes sense that the samurai is a fighter and not a monk, you know, um, you get, a, it just gives you flavor. You're talking about the rapid, the, the ability to flavor the character with role playing. To me, there's not very many variations to a lot of the different types of fighters. I mean, they're all different. Don't get me wrong, but a fighter can stand his own, can stand his own, can stand his own. Um, well, they get that temporary hit point thing, which almost feels like a barbarian. Right. Like, they can basically buff themselves for a very short amount of time. I, I don't know. They just seem really interesting. It's, and it's I just, different. I also love at level 10 that whole strength before death, how when you're brought down to zero, you get that one chance to be like, like every anime where you're like, uh, 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 I will defeat you. Uh, uh, and he gets one last strike. I love that. Yep. And I mean, now, it is only five hit points, but still. Here's an example. That's like resistance. That's, sometimes it might even be better than resistance. You see how this says you can? Can you imagine a half-orc samurai? They go down to mm -hmm. zero. They stand up because they're racial. They go down to zero again, and then they get one more strike. But <laughs> keep in mind, you can't do that at the same time. That would be a good right. example of things that you should not be able to do at the same time. Stand back up at one, and then turn around and be able to use this attack. Because with this attack... It is counting on you going back to zero. But with the half-orc right. ability, you have one HP. So you would have to stand up as the half-orc, get hit again and taken down, then be able to use this ability. But still, you, But you have ridiculous. basically four uses of it. Right. And can you, you imagine know? being a half-orc and have that fifth chance to stand up? Like, it's right. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, it's, I was counting that great. for the fourth. Because you get it three oh, right. times from the fighting spirit, but yeah. then you... I've, you know, you obviously the fourth the half is work. the half work. Right. That's insane. Yeah. That that can turn the tide of battle. Oh, for sure. Definitely. That That's an awesome frontline fighter. <laughs> yeah. And I would, you know, what if you don't want to flavor it as a samurai? Fine. 
I could see a Templar having the same kind of su honorific suicide, like that that self righteous sure. suicide kind of uh, culture. Because you think about right. Kingdom of Heaven, where Orlando Bloom is like, "Oh, you're gonna die! Like you're going to lose this battle." And then the guy on the horse is like, "Oh, that's our job, son." Ha 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 ha. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good flavor stuff in here right. too. Absolutely like that one's agree. a good one that's tied mechanically, but like like I said, the the stuff in the beginning of each core class is really good. Um, Homeland, sworn enemies of the ranger, like just awesome stuff. But obviously, we didn't want to focus on that. That could probably be a whole episode onto itself. Let's get into the part that you want. You know what? To and even if we run out of time in this podcast, we could do it. I can assure you, this might be a threefer because I do think <laughs> that a lot of this does require some extra looks at it. It really does. Now, page sixty-one. This is your life. This is even before you hit the DM's tools. This talks about as a player your life. And more importantly, these are ideas, not rules. Right, as a character. Sorry, not a player. It's like, you work at McDonald's, so you get a plus I would two love to roll for what I, survival. my parents were. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a lot better than real life. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, now we're going there. I can see my son making these jokes about me. All right, so I think parents is important. And a lot of people don't really think about that. Who are your parents? You know, right. I'm not going to do any spoilers to the second Star Wars movie. But let's just look at Force Awakens and how Rey is like, who the hell are my parents? Stop whereas, it. <laughs> whereas Luke Skywalker in A New Hope didn't really give a shit who his parents were. He just accepted the fact that his dad was killed. He never asked who his mother was. You know, right. he thought he lived with his aunt and uncle. Problem solved, which technically he did. But, you know, that changed their motivations like luke's motivation was getting the hell off of tatooine mm -hmm. and then once he got off of tatooine he had nothing left for him to hold him back so when an adventure happened to fall in his lap he's like heck yeah why not <laughs> but what if your character is waiting for your parents to return and they haven't like in the the disney movie frozen the parents disappear, and the girls are so focused on running the kingdom until their parents get back, and their parents never come back. You know? It's that kind of thing. This could change the way your character behaves. This could change everything about your character. And I love the idea of putting in origins. Yes, I have a background of Outlander, or uh, my favorite is the Hermit. But how did I become a Hermit? It never tells you. It's just like, you're a Hermit. How? What's the story behind that? And I love the whole idea of origins, the personal decisions, the life events, and and the tables they give you. Um, some of I, the tables they give you are spot on, and this is just great. I love the detent. I love rolling tables. I randomize every character I play. Roll the dice and everything. I will randomize everything because sometimes I've played so many characters I just don't know anymore. And I love At the Gen tables Con, they give I bought you. the dice, the character class and race yeah, dice. Yeah, isn't that rad? I bought those. Oh man, yeah, those are so rad. So, a D100, you basically, like, I don't agree with this at all. Zero and one to 95, you know who your parents are or were. 96 to 100, you don't know who they are. So, are they yes, really that telling actually me actually could be, like, Ray's backstory going into the, you know. I agree. That's not my point. So, you my could point do is that. the percentages of this, I think, are wrong. 
I think in How a medieval fantasy, I would at least give 15% to the you don't know who your parents are. Are they really telling us that only 4% of the population's orphans? Only 4%? But even orphans sometimes know their st the background. So I don't agree with I, that part. Well, so I do maybe, agree with that. So, so the orphans might know that their parents were drug addicts and got killed on the black true. market. That's true. <laughs> but at the same time, you could know your parent, your dad was a captain who died in battle, but that doesn't mean you know who he was. That doesn't right. mean you know who the kind of man that he was. My favorite example of this is Dragon Warrior 4, which was called Dragon Quest in Japan. Mm -hmm. Dragon Warrior 4, or no, Dragon Warrior 3, I'm sorry. Your your dad in one of those games basically dies fighting a dragon. And all you know about it is that people treat you like a hero because your dad sacrifices life, but you knew nothing about your dad. He was mm -hmm. always off adventuring. I think there would but be a would higher be percentage. That would be, you know who your parents are or were. Doesn't mean you knew them, <laughs> just knows who they are That's or were. That's true. I guess Names I'm looking at this did. like, you know who they were like who right. they were like luke you knew, knew luke knew his dad was anakin skywalker that was never hidden from him luke right. didn't know who his dad was luke didn't know the kind of person his dad was right which i think is a huge shocker and i guess it's all on interpretation but if we're talking about like their names and their identities, yes. then yeah, that that makes sense. Um, now I do want to say too, this is very similar to Pathfinder's Ultimate Campaign Book. They had tables like this in that I that I used use to that. use all the time. I use it for my games nowadays. Uh, Actually, Xanathar's did replace. I a sold lot of mine to use. Barker. <laughs> from Barker. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. It it was good. Uh, I wasn't using it anymore. The only table I really started using at the end there was the how you knew your fellow adventurers. That was the you only know, one I, I used to make. I used to make jokes that he he must buy all these D and D books to stand on for his videos. But then I saw pictures of him at the uh, Ad Tab Con, and I was like, Yeah, dude. Dear He's God. like seven foot. Dear 30. God, <laughs> seven foot too much is more like it. All right. Um. Now, here's the cool thing. Half-elf parents, half-orc parents, tiefling parents. I love this. This was needed so freaking much, okay? First off, let's talk about Dragonborn. Dragonborn are not half-dragons. A half-dragon is like... And I'm, I'm going to look this up just for nostalgia and character name. Horde of the Dragon Queen. But where are you seeing the dragonborn? No, I don't have dragonborn. I, no, hang on. I'm saying he's not on there. Oh, I'm okay. Explaining okay. why I feel he's not. I on was there. like, why? I was like, they're not in here. This is a half dragon from Horde of the Dragon Queen. Got it. They tail. are not dragonborn. Right. Okay. You are not a half dragon if you're a dragonborn. You are something special. Right. Something entirely different. That's why I love that they put this in there because it makes you realize, okay, half elf, half orc, tieflings. I've had a lot of people ask me. James, where's the Dragonborn? Dragonborns are not half dragon, half man. They're not. They are not. They are not. They are not. They're something different. In my world, uh, which is a Viking Norse setting, and, and I'm literally basing it off of Norse myth, uh, myth straight from the history books, the dragons, Dragonborn are just a different type of dragon. They look like humans. They're just a different type of dragon in the Norse uh, mythos. Um, but the half-dragons are very specifically something different. 
And I don't remember if they're in Volos or not. I didn't look. But I uh, love the half-elf, half-orc, half- and the tiefling parents. Notice how ASMR don't have a parent. And that is because ASMR are reborn. They're, they lose their memories and stuff, but they're like a reincarnation of the ASMR before them. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think Dragonborn, it changes based on the setting on how they're born. Right. Right? Because aren't some blessed by an actual dragon and they hatch some from eggs? Yeah, I heard some are blessed by an actual dragon. I heard some are the avatar of a dragon, like Bahamut, for example. He's a god in, yeah. in some settings. Shaped by draconic gods or the dragons themselves, Dragonborn originally hatched from dragon eggs as a unique race, combining the best attributes of dragons. Dragon eggs. Which mm -hmm. means maybe your mother dragon is somewhere around, but the dragon doesn't have the choice. And in my world, the dragon look at the dragonborn as birth defects. Like, ew. Mm. And then they they kick him out. But oh, that's interesting. I love the birthplace. This makes complete sense, honestly. Carriage cart or wagon. If you were born on a boat or a ship, now you ask yourself why. It gives you more right. filler for it. And I love this. If you were born in a cave, why? Mm -hmm. um, I used this when I made my barbarian that's going to show up in the role with advantage. Because uh, even though he's a barbarian and even though he is a half-orc, he was born in a palace. Interesting. So his human mother was of nobility. Wow. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, basically, he brought her... She loved him and took care of him, but he, as he grew older, he saw how society was treating her because of her choice to raise him as a noble, and that's why he left home. Mm. So he has no tragic backstory as in, oh, his parents were brutally murdered. He literally abandoned his mother and father. Or, well, no, his father, mother. His mother and <laughs> stepfather. Um, who loved him as their own son. They were going to raise him. He abandoned them just because of the political strife that they were going through because of what he is and then went up to the frozen Norths in his own self-imposed exile and then became a chieftain up there. Attracting other half-work exiles. So Interesting. I, I would have never known that if I didn't roll this, you know? No, I like that. Number of siblings. I like siblings table. Siblings is important because if you're a cleric, well, I love the idea of being a paladin and then having one of your siblings be the polar opposite. Like maybe you guys were really That's good friends. That's very Jedi when you were Sith. <laughs> sort of. I'm thinking more like um, you you get that classic story in the medieval ages of the two brothers and then one brother wants to be the king and he knows he's gonna get it and <laughs> and then the other one gets elected king and that one's like what the. F I love that story. I love those stories. And I like the idea of being able to roll for siblings and... Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine having an 11 siblings in D&D. Like, how do you justify that they're all dead? <laughs> I would never want to roll that many. Uh, family is very important, I think. Absent parents, family lifestyle. A lot of these roles are things that you'll come up with on your own. But I definitely think that they're very good. Now, what I love about it is it's almost like Xanathar's is written as if you're telling the story. Childhood mm. home, childhood memories. We talked about the birthplace. We talked about family. We talked about childhood homes. And then it moves over to, like, personal decisions. You know? 
You've already chosen your background. These are not additional backgrounds. These are, if you chose criminal, why did you become the criminal? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, so I love how you have reasons for the backgrounds. But more importantly, right after that, if you continue reading in the book, you also have reasonings behind why you became the class you did. And I'm going to use Druid as an example. I'm going to pick on Druid because you get to roll a d6. And it's like, I became a Druid because I saw too much devastation in wild places. Or I found a place among a group of Druids after I fled a catastrophe. Or I've always had an affinity for animals. And I love that they separated this because I really hate when Druids are in my games. Because it seems like all six of these reasons are the reasons why they became a Druid. And it makes mm -hmm. the Druids very cookie cutter. I, th I think it makes complete sense that a cleric would befriend a druid and was so moved by druidic teachings that he completely abandoned his gods and responsibilities and decided to follow his guidance instead. That is a sick story. I want to hear mm -hmm. that. I don't want to hear um, a huge combination of everything, like why you became a druid it was because of all six of those. Because I've seen every druid... In, I mean, I used to do the... Um, running the games at the card shop and in my opinion you just see this all the time monks and fighters you know there's a good reason to become monks a lot of people are like i chose the path of solidarity and quietness but in real life most people don't choose to become monks it happens for a reason you know and i'm talking monks as in the orient monks you know a lot of times your parents will choose for you it's not like you're like looking at the classified ads and you go monk i totally want to do that for a living and that's why i love this i love the d6s i'm a big right. rando chart fiend me too i do think six just isn't enough i kind of wish they went with like 12. you know what though it inspired me to make more because i agree mm. with you i could think of several other reasons and sometimes when i play games with people and they tell me why they became a monk i'll be like oh yeah yeah totally uh <laughs> and that's why i have this right up by my desk at all times and i'm just gonna punch my mic with it because it's just how I roll. beat up that mic yeah <laughs> it's a snowball it can take well, see, it see i something i've been wanting to do for a long time is uh especially since i saw this in here was i want to do the multi-class why did you multi-class take the same thing like you know you might go fighter barbarian why did you swing switch i think something like that would be kind of cool or cleric druid in the example before mm -hmm. you have some early levels of cleric stuff but now you're mostly druid and it's because of this and that right. actually brings us to the next thing life events because that could definitely change why you've become a class sure. um now most people know what their age is but if you don't know what your age you could roll a d100 and find out what your age is i kind of use this the thing is that. that should only be humans right because people's you know, ages are different yeah right. i it, agree it should it should say like percentages or something yeah i think it should say percentages that's a very good point that you bring up but let's yeah. say that you roll a d6 and you have five choose five life events rolling a d100 to find out what happened in your life this is fantastic mm -hmm. i love this stuff 51 to 70 you spent time working in a job related to your background start the game with an extra 2d6 gp these are not yeah, like all good. In fact, a 1 through 10 is you roll a tragedy, go to the tragedies table. And I love the adventures, the boons, the arcane, the secondary traits, the crime, the punishment, supernatural events. All of these tables are in here of 
every event so you don't have to choose oh well i'm a tragedy because my parents were killed well you know one to two on a 12 is you lost a family member or a close friend you know mm -hmm. a friendship ended bitterly that's a good one i never would have thought of that as a tragedy like maybe you had best friends and now you hate each other um you mm -hmm. lost all your possessions in a disaster and had to rebuild your life that's awesome too. No one role plays that. Like at one point, I was a noble, and now I'm this. They just oh, use they, that they role play if that. You're a hermit. <laughs> well, usually it only happens if you're a hermit or an outlander. But it would be really. I would say nobles. I get a lot with nobles. Well, yeah, why do I only have ten gold? Oh, because I lost everything, or I'm outcast from my family. That happens. Ten gold all the time. is a lot, though. People need to realize that in D and D terms, oh, ten gold is. Yeah, a you're lot. talking about like. 10 months of survival right there. Right. <laughs> you have a year's wage in your pocket of a high-end year's wage. Right. Right. Um, but I absolutely love all of these these rolling tables. You know, the war and the weird stuff. I love the weird stuff. You turn into a toad and remained in that form for 1D4 weeks. That's a weird yeah. event that could happen to you. And if that happened to you, maybe every time you see a fly... For some reason, you just your mouth waters and you don't know why. Could you imagine doing favorite. this as downtime stuff randomly to your party? Oh my god, I am like I'm weird stuff. Oh, like I'm that would be to. so awesome. I am going to. I'm going to have them roll on a hundred percent side or a hundred percent, and I'm going to have like. Don't do it to everyone. No, if you have four players. Roll a d4 to decide. I actually who thought about whether or not because I have professions and stuff in my game. Also, if you want heavy armor made especially since it's the north setting takes a long time you want to change shirt made it's going to take seven days so park mm -hmm. your ass and train or get a job but if you sit for seven days and you do downtime yes you have the chance of making money doing these jobs like if you're a ranger and you say i'd like to help them fish or i want to help them hunt i'll have you roll on a profession chart and earn some money for the week but at the same time I like doing that because a long rest only gives you half your hit die. So if you come back to town with no hit die, it makes sense to take a week off. So that at the end of the week, full HP, full hit die, everything makes sense. But if you're going to stay down for an entire week, I might have you roll on a table where either something weird happens, something good happens, something supernatural mm -hmm. happens, some tragedy happens. Especially if I'm needing an adventure hook. Um... I'm definitely considering making my own tables related to this. Oh hell yeah, I I absolutely am too. <laughs> I really want to, and I love the racial, the racial the additional racial stuff. I I do enjoy, but it's only two Did, pages, and I kind of blasted through yeah. it because I was like, "That's rad." But I again, Did, those I want to see in conjunction with some of the new subclasses. See, I was gonna say these. So in feats in general, I love feats. Um, I think it's a way to make your guy very your character very special. And the the idea of racial feats, I really wish was in the core, the original player's handbook. I think I they agree. did some cool things, but I think they could have went a little further. They could have given you some more. They could have touched on even some of the races in the uh, Volo's Guide. I think they missed an right. opportunity there. Right. They did. Um, I just feel like it's it's good, and I like them. I just feel like it's lacking a little. That's all. There's just not I, enough. I felt like it was lacking a little, but honestly, I feel like the feats in general are lacking a little. I loved the feats in 3.5. I loved having, like, a fighter became a fighter because, and the, what differentiated them from the paladin was all the feats they got. And I understood mm. they eliminated it and made an optional rule for people who don't want feats. No, 
when you're level 10 and you've got a bunch of feats that make you buffer in a way that represented the experience that you've gone through you mm-hmm. know in a way it represented how you've grown based on or your trained past. right yeah mm-hmm. um well honestly i think that's all we have for this episode we are not done with xanathar's guys because when we get back we're heading into dungeon master's tools and this is the part basically chapter that two. i'm excited about chapter two <laughs> we only went over chapter one and even then we didn't go into as much depth as i want but chapter two is where i think most of the magic of xanathar's happens it's why in my opinion back in three five they had player's handbook two player you know dm's guide two I think Xanathar's really is the PHB and the DM's guide too for 5th edition. I think they did a very good job with it. I am a little disappointed, but I think that's because um, some of the things from Unearthed Arcana were not put into this book. I would have liked to have seen a functioning Beastmaster for Rangers. But honestly, I do still love Xanathar's. It is a staple. I actually refer to this as the fourth core book. You're you're disappointed. You're disappointed. I will say I'm not. But I will... In fact, this surpassed my expectations. But if you're buying Xanathar's Guide for the player options only, it's not worth it. No. If you're buying it as a dungeon master or the flavor, buy it. Like, that is what this book is about, in my opinion. The Unearthed Arcana is, from what I've seen, is basically the same thing as the subclass stuff. There's some tweaks, very minor, but there's some tweaks. um, But you could run straight out of Unearthed Arcana for the most part. And there are some Unearthed Arcana classes that you might fall in love with that you would be disappointed that isn't in this book. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be around. I think Xanathar's is just a taste of what's coming out. Oh, I yeah. think there's going to be well, a lot more books like Xanathar's. But also, yes. I think the reason why I was disappointed in this might not be fair is because I knew who Xanathar's was from a long time ago. <laughs> and then when it was like Xanathar's Guide to Everything, my eyes went big and I was like, oh, I think half of me had the unrealistic expectation that you were going to get a tome and be like, but at the same time I think the other reason why I might not feel I might feel a little disappointed is because not a whole lot of the DMs that I've been playing with has this yet or they've only read it lightly once it starts integrating itself into the games more I feel it's going to be a staple like DMs should have this absolutely yeah Um, so we're definitely going to start number two chapter two on the next part but until then, you got any shout outs? Again, I want to say thank you to the Absolute Tabletop guys, uh, DMG. Uh, I do want to say go check out Master the Game on Facebook, um, Master the Game on YouTube, Tabletop Gaming with Juice on YouTube. Those are those are my big things. Um, and then uh, I think that's about it. There was something else, but I don't remember. It's okay, though. <laughs> Watch out for Master the Game. Once he gets the good feeling on his video, you know it's going to be golden. Juice does not put out crap. He puts out quality. And I love that because, and this is no offense to anybody, but I've noticed a lot that when you try to look up any RPG advice on YouTube, everybody thinks they're an expert. And a lot of the videos are like the cream of the crap. 
it's the same same basic stuff that's not truly insightful it's not truly something that'll grab you it's somebody talking about something somebody else said and that's what i love about what juice is doing is it's not the telephone game it's his own opinion that he's formulating and that's why i love master the games concepts and ideas love it i appreciate that thank you and that's thank one you. of the reasons why i love the abtab guys a lot they're they're very unorthodox and now it seems more normal for people who have seen their products before but they're very unorthodox compared to people before them they were like how can we take this to the next level where a lot of the content that you see out there about fifth edition is how is this different from previous editions mm -hmm. and i hate that and i love how you're like how can you take your fighter to the next level you know, how can you take the content you're given and either optimize it to where it's either optimized for the most fun or the most statistical advantage? And I love that because I might want to have the most fun. I rando roll my characters and I love the idea of being able to look, maybe watch your videos and go, okay, well, I don't have quite the stats that Juice has, but how does he recover from this? What suggestions does he have? Because for some reason, my fighter has a con of eight. This is not okay. <laughs> Like is he, is he Leslie? He's like, you'll, you'll, are you not detained? You know, you'll like. So one of the things I'm doing early on, it's the core four: fighter, yeah. ranger, or fighter, rogue, cleric, and wizard. And I'm doing point by for that, so I won't have things like low con fighters. But I plan on eventually having a series where three d six straight down the line. What do you do? Uh, like, I plan on doing all sorts of stuff eventually. And, oh, you better you know, make an Excel sheet with all the rando rolls from Xanathars and everything, and I will absolutely <laughs> be all over that. As for news on my channel, um, I this is my new office. Hello. I, I just like moved it. into a new house. I had no internet for the longest time. Is that a projection behind you? No, this is a photo backdrop. Anybody who's interested in getting something <sighs> like this to cover really hideous office walls that are red... Um, you can go buy these for like 50 bucks. Just hang it up really? with tax. It's fine. Where at? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you the link, but I'll post it below. But basically look up photography backdrops for portrait studios and you can get them small or you can get them big for groups. Just get wow. it small. I've got 20 of these and I've just never felt like changing it. And they are printed to look like projections because they're meant so that in a camera, you don't see a shadow, you know, it's Are they custom? Clean. You can custom them. That's How much are they then, though? Oh. Like 200 bucks. But they're built... Yeah, no. They're built with great quality. The problem is you can't wash them. Because mm, they so, fade? Uh, the ink will wash right off. It's the type uh. of material they are. They're so designed to absorb the light in a very specific way, and it's a very special type of ink for that, but it does not handle being washed very well. So my back you learn. <laughs> yep, the thing, the more you know. Anyway, as far as my channel, you're going to be seeing a lot of games come out. I've got a Stars Without Number campaign that's coming out um, this week, along with all my Star Wars games catching up. And I've got three people invested into my Honor for the Fallen campaign. And I'm thinking I might not even do a fourth. I want to do a fourth. But I might leave the fourth open for guest spots. That's a cool thing to do. Don't do yeah. it every game, though. No, it wouldn't be done every game. It would be done probably two sessions with the core. 
and then maybe have other people, right? Have other people from other channels come in for like two sessions, and then their characters left in a town or murdered, or their their characters quest. I kind of like the idea of the guest speaker or guest players having like an adventure hook. Mm-hmm. And and you know they tell me the and then going on and so, it and then going on it and then saying bye and then having their characters become NPCs in my world. Yeah, um, I like that. So I, I might just stick with three players. We might do the first five sessions with just the three players to get the mechanics down, For and sure. add the fourth. And I've got a calculator that I've been trying to design on the side where as soon as the fourth player's added, all I have to do is go number crunch and make the encounters. Completely okay. But, so here's a question: When when are you doing? Because obviously we do we have a Star Wars episode. Uh, when are you doing that again on Fathers of Tabletop? Um, that one actually, we Archie and I have decided that we are going to do it in between. But there's a lot of heat right now. A lot of heat. For the first time in Star Wars history ever, it seems like the fan base on this new movie is completely divided. In half. Uh, it felt that way with the prequels. Well, uh, the prequels most people hated. Like, most people hated. <laughs> okay. The people okay. who liked the prequels were people who were new to Star Wars. I'm talking the old fans. I like the prequels. <laughs> there, is a, there is a division in, in the old fans where they're like, mm-hmm. ah, this new movie's great. Oh, this new movie's the worst. And there's a lot of negativity around it. That's why you need to do the podcast. Right. That's why we're going to do the podcast. But Spoilers run rampant. (laughs) Archie and I have decided that we are going to give people the Christmas season to watch it. Mm -hmm. At least the first week or two. Because the last thing that we need is somebody to ignore the spoiler alert and then go... "Ah!" Or I hated this and stuff like that. Um, Like, this isn't really a spoiler, but I had somebody say, I won't go to see the movie because the porgs. I can assure you they are in the movie for less than 60 seconds. If you're yeah, they're really pretty minor. bothered by them. It's probably more than 60 GTFO. seconds, but they're minor. Yeah, they're I so mean, minor. I wasn't sitting there with a timer in the movie like... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but no. They, they didn't seem... I mean, it wasn't like the agonizing Jar Jar scenes the dog in Phantom cool. Menace. Where you're just sitting like there watching... Like the diamond watching. dogs? Oh, yeah, those were rad. Those were rad. Yeah. I don't even want to... It's getting me all excited. Overall, <laughs> I thought it was great. We'll definitely talk about that. But the other thing that we're going to be talking about in the next movie is um, how to take some of the old lore that everybody is used to and putting it into a game that doesn't technically support the old lore anymore. Like EU, so, Kyle Katarn. None of that stuff supported by FFG because they're going the way of Disney and they're showing you they all the to. official. They Disney have to. owns the rights. They have to, absolutely. But I think the biggest problem with the Star Wars RPG FFG is they follow the books. People follow the books like they're their commandments when really because it's a narrative style game you could make an old republic game you could make an alternate telling of the prequels you can make an alternate telling of any of the trilogies and that's kind of what we're going to be going on is uh how do you use the lore to your benefit Mm -hmm. and if you want to and mainly what we're going to do is we're going to study some of the enemies that you see in star wars 
so that if you wanted to do a clone trooper or somebody else or a hero or a villain from back in the day that may not be supported anymore, how you modify that. So that's what we're looking forward to in the next episode. Other than I'll be talk, curious because I the last I half we're gonna be movie. talking about the new movie. Last half I was gonna say I, the I watched the movie. I don't play the Star Wars role playing games, which is why I'm not on those episodes. But I am very interested in the conversation about the movie. So I will def and I watched the last episode, but I am definitely interested in seeing what you guys have to say about it because I'll just say it right now. I left the movie and had no idea if I loved it or if I hated it. I was the same I way. Had no clue. I've never I, felt that way. I had Ever. to sit down and stew on it. And then after I stewed on it, I was like, well, okay. I, this I'm is the kind of movie I that you it. should go twice. Yeah. You know, I, you really I think should. I liked it. I do think I liked it. Uh, I will say that. And I think it's because you have to, this goes to any movie. I don't care what it is. Don't get so tied into your expectations. Watch a movie for what it is. Suspend disbelief, and you will have a much better time with all movies. Don't hold movies to book standards. Books are always going to be better. They can do more in 500 pages than you can do in a one-and-a-half to two-hour movie. You just you got to, with anything, suspend disbelief, watch it for what it is, and you know if they don't explicitly tell you something, then don't assume. That's the other thing. A good example, the Resident Evil movies. Great movies, nothing like the game. Don't go watch a Resident Evil yes. movie expecting the game. Why would they regurgitate to you the same exact story that you already saw in a game? Right. They won't. They want to have creative freedom with it. They want to take that universe and write an alternate telling of it. And you kind of have to just tell yourself, don't, and definitely don't go with any expectations for this movie. Because I can guarantee you, if you have any expectations when you see this movie, you're going to get friggin' surprised, and Disney's going to thunderfuck you right in the face... <laughs> and you're going to walk out going, that is not what I thought was going to happen. So don't make any right. theories. I, I avoided fan theories in our first episode of the Songs of the Holocron for Fathers of Tabletop. All I wanted to talk about was where the characters were at and what we think could happen. Not like, oh, I think Snoke is this guy. But I think... Because you will be surprised. You'll be mm -hmm. surprised. I think the one thing that Disney did right with this movie is they took the concept of going to the movies... And they brought the surprise element back of not knowing what to expect. So if you go and you watch Star Wars this holiday season with your family and you take in the mentality of don't expect a damn thing, you would be more pleasantly surprised. Because if you go in there expecting one thing, I guarantee you that's not what you're going to get. Right. 100% agree. But as always, I'm Yarla Goats. This is Juice from Master of the Game. Keep an eye out on his YouTube channel. Keep an eye out on mine. There's going to be a lot of uploads now that I'm in my new office. And we will bid you adieu until the next episode, which will be sooner than the gap between the first and this one. Yeah, I we're going to do it more than do once one, a month. I want to do one more than once a month. We've just been we crazy should... with the holidays. Absolutely. Yeah, we need so to. Keep your eyes peeled, especially because I want to comb over Xanathars with a lot of great detail and uh, definitely help people in running games with this content i think that's going to be good but until next time hit a like button if you're on youtube subscribe if you haven't already and check us out on podcast soundcloud or the apple store if you're watching us on soundcloud right now on the internet do know that there are other places you can get them if you have apple products you can just download it straight off the apple store and we will see you the next time bye bye